So we had to go for a bond issue. And uh -huh. To get a bond issue approved, you have to get signatures. Uh -huh. And there's always opposition. Yep. And the people who were carrying up uh, uh, petitions against it were getting more signatures than we had. Yeah. And once, once we had done, we can't go back and get more signatures. Nope. Whereas they can. They can go as long as they want to. You heard that there. That's former South Bend Mayor Roger Parent as he shares some of the drama and the obstacles behind the building of the East Race Waterway. More of that later, but first. Welcome to Round the Bend Now and Then, a podcast that shines a light on the South Bend and Mishawaka areas past and present. Through interviews with local business owners, leaders, and community members, our listeners and I learn together about all of the great people and great things going on in our community. As we also learn about South Bend and Mishawaka's history and how intertwined our past is with our present. To many of us who grew up in the South Bend, Mishawaka area, the East Race Waterway near the east bank of the St. Joe River in South Bend has just always been there. And many of us know no different. We've barreled down the raceway in a raft. We enjoy peaceful strolls or even strenuous jogs up and down the sidewalks near the East Race. We go to craft shows or concerts at Sites Park and then eat at one of the food places nearby. Some of you may even live in one of the many condos or apartment buildings close. All of this action is there because of the East Race Waterway. And like I said, for many of us, it's always just been there. In this episode, you'll learn that the East Race has been there a very long time, like 1843 long time. But then in the 1950s, it was filled in and it wasn't there until the East Race that we now know was built in the early 1980s. And at that time, there was quite an amount of community drama for and against the building of a whitewater kayak course flowing through a downtown area. Former South Bend Mayor Roger Parent, who was the mayor at the time the East Race Waterway was built, joins me on today's episode and shares his memories of what it was like to collaboratively accomplish building something that literally was the first in North America. He also wrote several chapters about the East Race in his wonderful book that I highly recommend, Getting Things Done, Stories of Leadership from South Bend Mayor's Office to the School Board, the Peace Corps, and beyond. To purchase the book, I put the link to Roger's website in the show notes, and you can also purchase it on Amazon. The East Race waterway that we know will be turning 40 years old next year. But originally... The East Race was built 180 years ago. A little background. At the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, obviously there were no power plants and electrical grids to power industry and towns. So they needed to find ways to produce power and water, hydropower, was one of the few options. By 1842, settlers in the South Bend area had been here for about 10 years or so. And as the town grew, they wanted to take advantage of the river to use its hydropower so that mills and industry could produce goods using that power. So, in 1842, they built a dam. And that 
is the dam that we see just north of the Jefferson Boulevard Bridge now, near the Century Center. From there, they built a west race and an east race, just north of the dam. The west race I mentioned is that canal of water that flows next to the Century Center, and then through those concrete foundation pillars that are still there, uh, that at one time was the Oliver Power Plant. Now, I'm no engineer, but in simple terms, that dam that they built is holding back quite an amount of water pressure. And then you have those two separate, much thinner races, or in other words, um, man-made canals, built on either side of the dam. When the race's gates are open, water rushes through. The factories that were built on the east and west races use that fast-flowing water as it flowed through the turbines to produce power. By the 1900s, the East Race was used less and less for power as coal and other sources were used. And by the late 1940s, the East Race was a public health concern. I'll read some excerpts from a 1946 South Bend Tribune Voice of the People written by T. Howard, titled, East Race Fill-In Suggested. A post-war improvement that should be demanded by the Board of Health is eliminating and filling in that stagnant old East race. And then the author goes on to provide some history of the East race, and then he ends it with this. Having this polluted canal at the expense of the public's health should be the chief concern of the Public Board of Health. So, by this time, it seemed that the old East race was a hazard. Also in my research, sadly, man, one of these articles was quite sad. I read that several young boys drowned in the East Race over the years, and also several cars literally drove past the Washington Street dead end there, right into the river. Eventually, the decision was made to fill it in. So, over the next several years, the city worked to do just that. I found several articles as late as 1967 where dirt from projects like the County City Building were brought to the East Race site. From there, in 1973, a master plan study was done that stressed river corridor development throughout the city, and it included opening the old East Race as it would enhance the value and quality of future development along its shore and provide an interesting and unique feature for the public to enjoy. I tell you what, that study seemed to get it right. From that time in 1973 until 1980, when Roger Parent became mayor, the opening of the old East race was mentioned a few times and was kept in the forefront by, what I could tell, a very passionate and absolutely persuasive group of people called the Michiana Watershed. It is that group that I think we should also thank, because by the late 1970s, that group had pushed consistently to get the ball rolling and build the only man-made whitewater kayak course in North America. Next, former South Bend Mayor Roger Parent talks about the time leading up to him becoming mayor and the Michiana Watershed's push for a whitewater kayak course. The, the, the people, the Michiana watershed group, uh -huh. the guy, was, they were the people that, that did a study about the East Race, what to do with it, mm -hmm. and came up with the idea of a whitewater kayak course. Yeah. And they'd been 
oh, they'd been talking about that for uh, a number of years mm -hmm. before I was a city councilman. Right. But they talked to people, and I remember that uh, former mayor, Pete Namath, yeah. uh, who's mayor, I was on the city council then, he, he, he liked the idea, but then he didn't run for a second term. Then uh -huh. I was approached. Yeah. And yeah. I keep telling people, it wasn't my idea. You no, know, if you no. listen to people, and they come up with some great yeah. ideas. And so it was, a, it was a real challenging area. We were getting no significant tax revenues from that no, place. It looked no. bad. Yeah. And so I went along with the idea. Yeah. And uh, here it is today, but it was a challenge to get it done. Now I'm sure that the very last thing on a brand new mayor's mind, taking over a city that was going through decades long transition was digging up an old industrial mill race to build a whitewater kayak course. But as you'll hear, Mayor Parent was open to any and all ideas. And I'm telling you, this Michiana watershed group could have sold ice to Eskimos because they were convincing. And they had the new mayor sold. Speaking about that, that group, that Michiana watershed, in your book, you wrote, you wrote that um, in the 1970s, like you had just mentioned, there were studies done and river mm -hmm. studies talking about reopening the East Race. Um, and then and then they kind of fizzled out a little bit at the end of Miller's term. And then you started, but you had to, <laughs> that was probably the last thing on your mind is starting as a brand new mayor in South Bend, Indiana. You had to get your administration going. You had to get all of that ready. And then, but you met with that group. They asked to meet with you, didn't they? They asked to meet with me and- What were your thoughts going into it? Do you, were you well, just giving them little time or you were just- I, I, I'm not quite sure. Okay. I, I was open to, yeah. to almost anything. Mm -hmm. One of the things I did when I first became mayor is there were all kinds of physical models yeah. of plans for South Bend. Mm -hmm. And- and I took that and I put them all away. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason I did was people would look at that and say, well, they're not interested in what I want to do. Mm -hmm. doesn't fit in. So I'd done that. So I was open to all kinds of ideas. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, they came up, they convinced me that it was a good idea for a lot of reasons. Right. One of which is it doubles the, 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 the amount of waterfront in that area of South Bend. Okay. Oh, and yeah. So that really opens it up for something. And we, and the park department became interested, of course. They had to, it's going to be a park. Yeah. So he was convinced and he was going to lead this city in rebuilding the old East race. But as you'll hear next, and as you can read in his book, the only way that Indiana cities could obtain money to borrow at that time was, as he wrote, a convoluted and long process. Then, a city had to get permission from the public to approve a bond, and to get that permission, they had to secure more signatures than the opposition. More nerve-wracking, once the city had filed its signatures, the opposition had additional time to get more signatures. As you'll hear next, and from what I read in the newspapers at the time, it's those signatures that almost derailed the project before it even started. The main problem is funding. If people mm -hmm. think the city doesn't have enough money today, they should have been mayor or councilman in those days. Wow. We were really hamstrung for money. We had yes. no money. 
Yes. So we had to go for a bond issue. Uh -huh. To get a bond issue approved, you have to get signatures. Uh -huh. And there's always opposition. Yep. And the people who were carrying up uh, uh, petitions against it were getting more signatures than we had. Yeah. And once, once we had done, we can't go back and get more signatures. Nope. Whereas they can. They can go as long as they want to. Thank God these... Former city attorney Richard Hill, uh -huh. uh, and I think John Hunt, who was head of economic development, uh, met with a group of people who were carrying a petition who were against it. Yeah. Somehow or other, they convinced them wow. to not file them. If wow. it hadn't, if if that had not happened, we might not have that today. We may not have that today. And and so what you're talking about is literally. In order to get a bond issue to pay for public improvements, and at the same time, you were working on another bond issue in the city. That's the right. The book said, and so you had, to, and it boiled down to getting signatures. That's right. We Golly. were we had another bond issue. It's called a general bond uh -huh. issue. The other one was a park bond issue for the East Race. Uh, we uh, we needed to buy equipment. Yeah. Uh, fire trucks, police cars, mm -hmm. and that was eligible. Mm -hmm. And so. This is most mayors will not decide, or city council members, right. to have two bond issues going out for <laughs> signatures at the same time. Uh -oh. And it was very, very difficult. But on the other hand, uh, you know, we, we, we worked hard in those days to get bipartisan support. Correct. Uh, that project, for example, needed a lot of state support. That was all Republican at mm. the time. We had a Republican uh, governor. And so in order to get things done, in order to get that thing done, we had to work with state officials, mm -hmm. federal officials, because yeah. money was going to come from a lot of different places, right? as well as, as local people. We just heard about folks who were in opposition to the building of a kayak course. But there was also a lot of support as well, and especially from the business community as they saw prime pieces of real estate with tons of potential for growth. Next, we talk about just how right they were. Hey, I found a, um, an article from August, and we mentioned gathering public support. And when you read the old newspaper articles, there are all types of articles for and against, mm -hmm. just like in any type of public support there. But the business community, from what I could tell, the business community was very excited about it. And uh, even the president of First Source, Chris Murphy at the time, he says that, quote, I don't think there's any doubt that the opening of the East Race would encourage development. I think it's essential. So I'm sure quotes like that was helpful. It, it, yeah, I, I'm sure they were. And uh, But it, it, the East Race is, in my opinion, the most immediately successful redevelopment project the city's ever done. Really? So you knew, you guys knew right away? Right away. I mean, it was it was done. Uh, apartments, uh, an apartment project came. AM General decided to place their, their home office there. building there. And people loved it. They crowded it. We had uh, we had uh, kayakers from all over the world uh -huh. come here. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, even, and that was one of my questions was, how soon after opening did you know? Because... Even in June of 1984, I mean, right when you opened, there were advertisements in the newspaper from banks. Like literally, National Bank said, we have $5 million to lend to help the East race meet mm -hmm. its full potential. 
Yeah. Already, you guys had that much support right away. Oh, yeah. It, it was, uh, if you looked at it before, and of course, people complain about spending public funds for these kinds of entities because it's a park entity. I would say that three or four years later, that that money that we spent on it was all made up in extra taxes. Unreal. And that's continued to this day. Yeah. And the reality is if uh, if, a, if a city like ours, mm-hmm. and I never saw South Bend as a Rust Belt city by mm-hmm. any means, but if a city like ours going through a big transition uh, from, from a certain type of economy to another type, if you don't spend money, yeah, uh, if you don't have exciting projects, mm-hmm. who's going to want to live here? It'll fizzle out. And who's going to want to come here to build a business? Yeah, yeah. That that that's what we were doing. Truth there. You have to have projects like this to spark growth and quality of life. But to get to that growth and to get to that quality of life and to successfully pull off a unique project like this, nothing is easy. You mentioned that um, the the giant piece of cement. Now, when you guys first started, you're ready to break ground. Like any big project, you wrote about all the issues that can happen. Like you had to purchase properties and figure out who owned what. Um, There was more toxic material that you had to remove. But then you mentioned in 1984, after it was built, you guys were testing the water or the engineers were testing the water and giant concrete slabs were thrown into the air. Oh my, were you there for that? Or was that something they told you about? (laughs) My heart, I I would have puked. (laughs) I I wasn't there for that, but it's something (gasps) I was told about. (gasps) And maybe uh, James Seitz, now now deceased, uh, he he was worried about it, (gasps) and so were the engineers. But... It, it, they studied uh, old pictures of the flumes, you know, that, that used to be a place where uh, water wheels and water was directed to power yes. different factories mm-hmm. along there. And they figured out what it was very quickly. Oh. And uh, I, I, I was pretty happy about that. I mean, imagine all that work going into it and all the planning and then yeah. until and the first time you turn the water on, it flies up. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Yeah. And, and the problem was that when it was built, if you had water on it, mm-hmm. it was stable. It's when they emptied it, oh, the pressure okay. was off, the pressure underneath pushed it I up. see. I, I learned see. a little bit about <laughs> engineering and so forth. Yeah. Oh, God. It's just, it's so, yeah, it's so touch and go with big projects like that, you know. One of the things that I like about studying our local history are reading about some of the plans at the time that never came to fruition. Next... We talk about a plan that could have made the East race a bit more like Italy. Speaking of of being a mayor and being in a position, there are so many um, plans. Like you had mentioned when you first got elected, Mm -hmm. there were all these models that you just threw to the side and so many plans. I always chuckle when I read plans that never came to fruition, right? And and some of the harebrained ideas. But at this time, this was... In, in 1978, okay, so you'd mentioned Jerry Miller, the, the Michiana Watershed Studies. They were getting the ball rolling at some point in 78. And there was a newspaper article, and it says, the headline was, Ride a Gondola to Sunny Italy. <laughs> <laughs> 
And and it said, quote, don't be surprised in the very near near future to see downtown east bank of the St. Joseph River transformed into Venice with gondolas paddling down a canal to sunny Italy cafe. <laughs> it just tickles me that all these different plans are thrown your way. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of um it's just it's it's wild. How as a city leader do you know which ones to pursue, you know? Well, uh you're not always sure. Right. <laughs> uh, and I could tell you an example of something that was pursued that didn't work that I was a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember the pedestrian area downtown. The River Bend Plaza the, the, uh, yeah. yeah, River Bend Plaza, whatever yeah. it was called. I was on the city council then and, and voted for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then when I became mayor, I'm the guy that tore it up. <laughs> so some things don't work. You got to right. take some risks. You know, how many businesses succeed all the time? Correct. They don't. Uh, except that it's their own money, they go out of business or whatever. Right. Those cities. So no, I. It, it's a gut call. It's, True. It's, it's a gut decision. True. Uh, very often. Yeah. You listen to the people around you. You ask for the best advice, mm-hmm. and and then at, at that's the, the main job. You know what else Father Ted said about about management? Mm-hmm. He said I only made the the tough decisions because all the other ones were made by people before me. In the administration. Yeah. In a way, that's what mayors do. There's a lot of people making a lot of decisions who work for you, and they advise you, they do all that. Mm-hmm. They come to you, people will come to me and say, well, what are you going to do? You have to decide. Yeah. yeah. And politically, you're the one at risk politically, but you're not at risk other ways. Right. My view is you have to hold any job you have mm-hmm. and be willing to leave it if, if uh People don't work well with you if you don't work well with them, if things go wrong, whatever the case may be. So you don't let the job define who you are. Yeah, that would be wild floating down the East race in a gondola. Next, you'll hear that I tried something different. I set up a table with two chairs, two microphones and the recorder at the East race. I thought that it would be neat to talk to random people out enjoying themselves at the East Race, and I thought that it would be a more authentic way to tell how impactful a little whitewater kayak course could be for a community. So this past Thursday evening, July 13th, I was out there for a little bit testing the waters. No pun intended. And then earlier today, I was out there, uh, Saturday, July 15th, spent some time out there when the course was open to all the rafters and the kayakers. And this was my first time doing something like this, so I truly didn't know what to expect. But it was real fun, and most people were willing to talk. Not all really wanted to record, but several did. And as you'll hear, when you ask random people their thoughts about something like the East Race, you can truly get a sense of how important a community asset like this is. All of its warts and all. Next, you'll hear from two young ladies who are walking down the East Race Thursday evening wearing bright yellow Youth Service Bureau t-shirts. And you know me, I'm always going to try to lift up any local organization doing good things. So I called them over, introduced myself, and asked them if they wanted a chance to plug the Youth Service Bureau. And they said that the East Race is a spot that they'll frequently see kids out and about, and they'll provide them information about the Youth Service Bureau. So I'm literally 
standing or out here with a table on the East Race, uh, asking people up and down here how they feel about the East Race and everything for our future episode. And I run into Reagan and Claire, who are wearing yellow Youth Service Bureau Street Outreach shirts. So I stopped and just asked them what they're doing. I always want to lift up our community. So, uh, Reagan, what, what, what are you guys doing out here? So today uh, we are working with um, a program in street or uh, a youth service bureau called Street Outreach. Um, okay. There's a whole bunch of programs uh -huh. for youth service bureau, um, but today we're doing the street outreach program. So we go out into the community. Um, we just try and find kids where they're at. Um, right. We go to a lot of parks, spend a lot of time outside, just talking to people, spreading the word about the program. Um, okay. We help kids with a whole bunch of stuff, um, yeah. kind of anything that they need. Um, we've got a facility um, that. It's called the drop-in center that kids can go to. Okay. Um, we've got free pizza. We've got video nice. games. Nice. Um, kind of just a place to hang out. We've also got like a washer and dryer there. We've got uh -huh. a ton of places, you know, and then we can meet them and kind of figure out what their needs are. Right. And go from there. Um, and so today while we're out here, we're just spreading the word about what we can help them yeah. with. You know, we help kids find jobs. Okay. Um, we help them apply for, you know, food stamps or um, you know, get case management, anything kind of like that, anything that they need. Just helping them navigate society yeah yeah. because often they're probably kiddos who may not have as much guidance yeah home, and they need they need you guys to help yeah. direct them yeah and so we just love to kind of make it casual um find a, a good place we like to meet them where they're at that's awesome so yeah it's really cool um i've been here for a little bit over two years now okay. i really like it I'm, I'm also involved with another another one of the programs that they have called um safe station okay um yes. and that's a different program uh you know it's a shelter um, but it's been really cool working with them for sure. That's neat. You've been in the city for two years or with youth service Bureau um, for two years? Both actually. Um, I'm from, uh, the Chicago area after college. Well, COVID brought me here. Oh, and, COVID. um, and so I've been here since shortly after, I mean, I lived here about a month before I started working for youth service bureau. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the youth service bureau, are you guys building a new building on, uh, McKinley? Yes, we are. Oh, that's awesome. Um, it's time it's going to be awesome uh -huh. um all of our programs are going to be in one spot right now we're kind of spread out um throughout south bend um the drop-in center is over on lincoln way okay um but it's going to be really cool putting everything together it's going to connect a lot of the programs i think it's going to make things like a lot better that's cool um and we're getting like a gym there and uh we actually just had a staff meeting today where we got a little bit of an update about the building we like uh -huh. decided on the chairs and stuff so. that is neat that's like the little details uh -huh. that we're, it's coming together right yeah yeah all right that's awesome is there anything else you want to say at all or um no i no? think that's it awesome all right Thank i appreciate you. your time Thank yeah, you. nice talking to you and you're my first ever random guest really claire and reagan i'm yes. happy to be here everybody else has been scheduled and everything this is just random <laughs> thank you next you'll hear from stephen brown who i think he said he's from battle creek michigan and if i'm mistaken stephen i definitely apologize he came down with a crew of his buddies to go kayaking all right. Well, hey, sir. Thank you for joining us. Uh, can I get your name? Uh, Stephen Brown. Stephen Brown. Stephen, thanks for joining us. I ran into Stephen here at the East Race. Uh, why did you come down here? I've been a member. Uh, I got into kayaking um, basically when I was 19 years old. Uh huh. And I've been coming here for the last 20 years. I've uh, been doing the whitewater kayaking, freestyle kayaking for every bit of those 20 years. Uh, got lots of opportunity. Uh, South Bend East Race. Uh, this place opened a lot of opportunity for me to travel all over the country and different parts of the world and kayak and see different things and, and different people and culture and food. and um, Oh, man, so this a, sparked your 
interest in the in the this kayak? is the beginning really yeah. and it's because of the east race here then you've kind of branched out yep yep so just branched out you meet people make friends uh raft guides uh basically uh there's a place up north in northern michigan up in iron mountain uh-huh. um true north outpost and i got a friend up there and he runs a a rafting company um and people come from all over wow. the tri-state area and he also started off i mean he kayaked here a lot uh-huh. um so wow. I met I met him, and it just branches and branches from there. Dude, that's amazing. Look at that. Here's a guy who started kayaking at the East Race 20 years ago, and from there, the sport has been a part of his life. Next, I talked to a young man named Jonah, who is probably about 10 or 11-ish years old. Jonah, I apologize if I'm not spot on there. He was with some of his buddies and his father, and they had just gone down the East Race in a raft. Not on camera. I have a face for radio. Just hold it just about like that, big man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's your name? Jonah. So, Jonah, you just went down the East Race? Yes. Were you a little bit nervous? No. no? You've done it before. Yeah. All right. What's, the, what's your favorite thing about going down the East Race, Jonah? The bumps. The bumps? <laughs> have you ever been thrown out of the raft? No. No. You're just too skilled at, at rafting down the East Race, right? Well, I fell out two times. You fell out two times? So what happens? I fell back two times. You fell backwards? So what do you have to do? I, I climbed up. Well, he picked me up. <laughs> <laughs> so you needed some help, right? That's all right. All right, Jonah. Well, hey, thank you for joining me. Thank you, sir. Take care. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Jonah. Thank you, guys. All right. Next. I run into a young guy about in his young 20s named Michael who was out walking his dog. I found somebody else here walking his dog up and down the East Race. Your dog's a good-looking pup. What kind of dog is it? She's a Rottweiler Mastiff mix. A Rottweiler Mastiff mix. All right. And your name's Michael, you said? Yes, sir. Okay. How uh, often do you come out to the East Race and walk your dog? Oh, maybe once every couple months. But once every couple months, are you from out of town or something? Or? <laughs> yeah, I visit, oh. I visit every so often. But. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. And so the East Race is a place that you come to when you come here. Yeah. I mean, it's probably one of the more pretty places in town, especially to walk your dog. Okay. Nice atmosphere. Scenic. Nice. Nice. Do you ever uh, uh, run into any characters walking up and down the East Race? Um, no, I, I can't recall a time I have except for this one here that I'm interviewing with at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Have you ever been to East Race Liquors? No, I no? haven't. I was a little bit too young when uh, when oh, they were still around. And, okay, okay. But I, see. I heard that I might be able to get away with it, with no ID. <laughs> Is there some stories about that? Oh, I can't tell. I can't tell. No, no. All right. Well, hey, Michael, you you can get on your way, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Right there were four different groups of people there for different reasons, whether it's walking your dog, kayaking, rafting, or like Reagan and Claire with the Youth Service Bureau, trying to help out the community. And the East Race is at the center of it. Next, I was able to track down a gal who was hustling the whole time, working at the East Race for the venues, parks, and arts. All right, so so Kelly is gracious enough to join me here. And and Kelly, you want to describe your role with the venues, parks, and arts? So I am the aquatics and ice manager, so I oversee everything water-related. Our okay. like, swim programs, our lifeguarding classes, our pools, the fabulous East Race, and uh-huh. then the ice trail 
um, at Howard Park in the wintertime. So how cool, yeah. how cool. And so just like I explained, I had, uh, we have a podcast episode coming out tomorrow on the East race and I'm literally here just trying to, to talk about, just talk to the variety of people who enjoy it here. Yeah. And there so, are so many people that come out. Uh -huh. Um, we've had weekends where we've had family reunions come in. So they've had people <sighs> from, you know, across the country that have, you know, come in we've had um notre dame brought their pre-college program a really? couple times, so we had international students come in and then one cool thing i don't think maybe a lot of people know or maybe they've seen and uh -huh. didn't know what was going on is our local fire department will train their swift water rescue team here yes they also bring in their international school and will Re train here so we had teams from i believe australia and new zealand earlier this year how along with neat. indianapolis fire department chicago new york anybody that's got a large body of water river running wow. through their city will come here and train so that is cool. it's it's a pretty neat experience to you know see everyone come down and just have a great time you don't have to really know what you're doing nope just to head be on able down to go it. down to east race like, <laughs> you guys are here to help yeah we're here to help we've got a ton of lifeguards that are on duty all the time and a lot of people don't realize it's only three to five feet deep throughout the entire course exactly like it's not yes. like you're 20 feet deep and don't know what's below you <laughs> no it's not Most like people the, can put yep. their feet down and hop right back in their boat so, exactly you know and especially on cool. days like today today is absolutely gorgeous perfect out. perfect sunny cool breeze like mm -hmm. you can't beat being down here no no absolutely not do you ever run into any characters up and down here at oh, all all the time <laughs> all the time <laughs> but we keep coming back right there's exactly. nothing wrong yeah you know you get to know people i saw a couple um earlier today that they were here a couple weekends ago uh -huh. and i was like you guys are back for more and they're like that's not good that you recognize us <laughs> i'm like no but it's like you're coming back you're yes. enjoying it. it's not just a one-time thrill yes. Yes. we have kayakers um that are here every single weekend with us beautiful from open season to end of season that's 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 amazing yeah all right. Well, Kel, I appreciate your time. No that was problem. awesome. You rocked it. Thank you. Awesome. High five. All right. <laughs> you have to love that passion out of Kelly. Venues, parks, and arts, you have a good one there. I hope our listeners enjoyed that little segment. And again, I hope that it provides some authentic thoughts from members of our community. For the next few minutes, we wrap up by going back to my conversation with Mayor Parent. And I asked him what would have happened if he didn't take the advice of Father Ted Hesburgh's quote, and his response was true of anyone who wants to make his or her city a better place to live. You wrote in your book about Father Ted Hesburgh and that quote, and that has stuck with me since I read the quote, if you're damned if you do or damned if you don't, then do. Um, man, what if you would have went against his advice and just didn't pursue that, you know? Well, I would say you don't belong being mayor of a city. <laughs> Good point. Uh, uh, <laughs> Good point. Because you're always between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, yeah. You always are. There's yeah. no, it's just not that kind of work. Mm -hmm. And so people are always, uh, it's a democracy. People always complain about this or that or whatever. Right. And, and if politicians don't have the courage to not listen to that all the time and move forward, uh, then uh, nothing gets done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and God, and that area now is just, it's just gorgeous. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's just gorgeous. We wrap it up next with some reflective thoughts 40 years later about the gem that is the East Race. Speaking of, of courage and speaking of that, at the groundbreaking ceremony in 1982, you said years from now, people will ask how we pulled this one off. Most of all, we pulled this off because of the many leaders in South Bend 
Leadership means taking risks. It means courage and working hard. I said that. You said that 40, <laughs> whoa, let's see, in 82, so a long 41 time ago. years ago. Okay. It rings true today, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just takes courage and everything. And imagine if you would have listened to all those dang naysayers at the time. The just the legacy of the East race. Um, what are your thoughts about just what are your thoughts about it today? Well, e even at the time that it was being constructed, mm -hmm. uh, people who came to South Bend to consider jobs in South Bend were brought out to the East race under <sighs> construction by the potential employers to encourage wow. them to move here, telling them this is a city on the move. This is a city that's moving forward. And, and so mm. it's 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 served that way forever. Plus, yeah. it's a great park facility. Uh huh. Uh, and uh, my daughter and her family, who don't live here, came here last week, and uh -huh. they went down to East Race. They always See? do that. <laughs> and so it, it's something that's so unusual and different that it tells people who come here, this is great. Plus, people forget that the river itself yeah. is a major attraction. It uh, there was a businessman came here during my tenure as mayor. We were up in one of the, what used to be the first source bank on the top floor. Uh -huh. And the Century Center by then was completed. And he said, there are very few places in the world where you have this kind of a beautiful uh, river mm -hmm. and construction around it. Right there. And so. Right uh, there. Right there. And so it's it's been that. It's part of what makes South Bend a great place to work and live. Yeah. And and it's a part of it was a partnership between the 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 city leaders and private partnerships and and beautifying the river and making it better because when industry used the river back in the turn of the century and it wasn't a beautiful thing, was it? <laughs> no, it, it uh it was used for power then. Yeah. We don't need it for power anymore. That's right. So. But that that's part of the transition we've been True. going through. It's taken what, 50 or 60 years to get to the point where we were then yeah. to where we are now when people come to South Bend and think it's a pretty nice place to be. Mm -hmm. Taking yeah. that long. I thank you for listening to another episode of Round the Bend Now and Then. Thank you, Roger Parent, for your time. I am so appreciative that you're sharing your memories and knowledge with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Folks, go out and get his book. Again, the website is in the show notes. And I'm also real excited that in the very near future, we have an upcoming episode on the building of Kovaleski Stadium, now Four Winds Field. Be on the lookout for that soon. I also want to thank Claire, Reagan, Stephen, Jonah, Michael, and Kelly for your bravery in talking with some dude with a microphone at the East Race. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. As always, follow all of our social media, Twitter, at Round the Bend Pod, Facebook, Round the Bend Now and Then, YouTube, at Round the Bend 574. Check it out. Videos of some of the places that we discuss in the episodes, including the East Race. Join me again next time as we learn more about South Bend and Mishawaka's Now and Then.